great, great morning, everybody. Great, great morning. My partner had you went been in on that pause. You went what? in on that pause. Well, I had a never mind. Um, I liked it. no, I liked it. My, my partner has been found, he's back. Uh, Caleb, how you been? Mm. <laughs> I've been really good. Um, I'm more like these last couple of weeks have been like, man, like I haven't been talking to cool. Like, are you, are you Coop eating Lindsay something right doing? now? Like, are you, eating how are you, right bro? Are you eating something right now? Is that what I'm hearing on the other side of this? These headphones. I got a bowl of, um, oatmeal, a bowl of oatmeal. What type of oatmeal? Just plain steel cut oats. Plain. Oh, okay. I'm coming. Just chill. All right. All right. I'll say goodnight to him. Sorry. That's my wife letting me know. Coop, you guys are not driving. You guys are not having this podcast in the morning. You're at home. It's nighttime. You need to say goodnight to your son. Um, yeah, clock's, clock's ticking, Coop. Yeah, um, clock's ticking no, for but, sure. But no, like, I'm great. But at these last couple weeks, I've been feeling left out. And I just, I want to know what's up with you and the Wallow clan. But we're, we're, we're good, man. Uh, can't, can't complain. Um, obviously, when this drops, it'll be our seventh seventh year anniversary, Lindsay and I. Um, so that, that'll be fun. Um, only a few times during the year, I let myself do something. Um, you know, with her, so we got not, nothing too crazy, nothing too, really nothing crazy, just her and I was getting away for a day, um, doing some stuff together. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, everything is good, man. I can't complain. Super busy. Uh, Blakely will be f- four months and a week. Yeah. Uh, when this airs, uh, she got two shots. That wasn't cool, but she she ate them. She ate them like a little beast that she is. Yep. Uh, she's almost almost flipping over on her stomach, back to stomach. Uh, literally, like if she could just get that momentum, she. She's got it. Uh, Cash, uh, he's crazy man. Um, it's got a he's a lefty. It's got a cannon. Um, so he's definitely he's for sure. Oh yeah, he's a lefty, bro. Oh my god. So like, so like now when we do stuff like when we're swinging a bat, I I have because he he does he's still trying to figure it out. So he'll see me do it, and then thinks that's how he needs to do it, and then like. Then in my head, I have to do it backwards for him. And then, like, when I show him, like, this is how you need to swing it, then he's, like, just hitting it out of the park. And, like, I mean, his he's got a he's got a rocket of an arm. Like, he's definitely baseball or, or, or football for sure, if he chooses. If he chooses. So, um, Braylon, Diva, um, should start kindergarten here in about another month. Not ready for that. Um, going to be crying. But it's all good. It's all good. Noise. It sounds like amazing things. All great things, bro. All great things pushing me to grow, uh, pushing me in. Yeah, just forcing me to grow, dude. I got no choice but to grow for for these guys. It's just great. It's a great feeling. Um, yeah, man. Uh, but everything's good with you and the wife. Um, everything. Everything's very good. Awesome. Um, happy wife. Healthy life. Love it. Um, Love it. Baby's good. He doesn't sleep, but that's fine. That's what babies do. Um, just we're, just grind, just grinding the realtor life, trying to yeah. change as many lives as I can in the Minneapolis area. You know. Hey, so how many houses are you selling a month, roughly? Like, I know it kind of fluctuates, but like, I mean, you got to be doing uh, like. Try to do some at least five. At least five, man. Right. So if I take the slow months with the busy months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did you know five I, I is it. like the minimum, and then we go from there. Awesome, that's crazy, dude. I love it. I'm trying to go crazy, Coop. I love it. I love it. All right, man. Let's get into this episode. Let's go. All right, Cooper. Let's start part two. Why don't you go ahead and bring in our next guest? Great morning, everybody. Great, great morning. Uh, on today's episode. Uh, we have Rakim Sabri. Uh, like Caleb said, we're doing part two. Um, again, just to give you guys a little background on on Rakim, um, author, colonist, 
speaker, financial coach who focuses on the pathway between financial literacy and financial empowerment being affected by financial trauma. His work has been published in Business Insider, Black Enterprise, Entrepreneur, The Guru, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, Rakim Sabri. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back. Awesome. 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 So Rakim, we're, this episode, we want to just get into um, a little bit about, you know, just, just what's going, you know, what's next, right? And maybe you can just give a quick uh, bio on who you are, what you do, um, why you do what you do, and just maybe just, you know, just give people a quick little rundown on what we talked about the last episode. Yeah, I um, don't remember all of what we discussed the last episode, but I think it was just before I hit the year mark. Um, so I think since then, I've celebrated a year away from corporate. That was May 28th. Uh, we're sitting in July now. So I've been kind of coasting, which is a good thing and a bad thing, I think. Um, but a little bit about me, I am a financial coach, columnist, author, speaker. Most of my work is centered around uh, this idea of financial trauma and its impact on financial empowerment. Um, as I have evolved my message and kind of dug a little bit deeper into, I think, what are the mistakes that people who are financial creators, especially in social media, make um, and the mistakes that I made in the past, I realized that the way that we are taught financial education and, and then by consequence, the way that we teach financial education really kind of leaves out the aspects that are psychological, your relationship with money. Um, you know, how do you believe, how do you feel, uh, whether or not you're going to execute on the strategies that you learn about? And if not, what are those barriers? So I spent a lot of time talking about financial trauma. Um, in the time that I've been away from corporate, uh, it's been it's been a rewarding experience. It's been a very reflective experience, I think, probably more than anything else. Um, just kind of decompressing from a lot of the trauma that I experienced in that space and being able to kind of see through, we'll call it the matrix, right? I think we made that analogy, actually, the last time we talked um, and realizing that, you know, there's more to life than getting up and going to a job every day and then coming home and, you know, repeating that cycle. Uh, since then, I've started a publication on Medium. So that's pretty cool. Publication is called I Fired My Boss. And um, it kind of explores this idea of firing your boss, your boss being an archetype for not necessarily a supervisor or somebody who's over you in a workplace setting, but maybe a bad habit an addiction, a bad relationship, anything that has power over you that you are essentially taking power back from. And so right now, most of the stories that have been published are centered around like workplace dynamics. But I'd like to see the publication grow um, with writers talking about those various other um, angles as it relates to taking back your power. But I think a lot of people right now are resonating with the whole fire your boss, leave your job type of thing because it's so relatable. And um, and I feel like it's an evergreen topic, although we're kind of like not hearing so much about the great resignation anymore in the news um, or in the news cycles. And now we're kind of deep into like inflation and layoffs and all those things. I still think that as time progresses, this message is going to be one that resonates. And so I'm really excited about it. I think um, it's going to resonate as well. Um, a majority of our conversation the last time was, you know, about you letting go of the J-O-B. And um, we talked a lot about you, just your mental state and processing, you know, being a free man, if you will, right? Um, and already you briefly mentioned a little bit more about what you've been doing since then. Um, can you go into that more on like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur now. What, what do you have your fingers in? Yeah, um, let's start with the bad first, right? Because everybody talks about the good. I think, um, you know, entrepreneurship, the first, 
year had been very exciting, new kind of shiny toy type of uh, a dig, right? And then um, right now I'm experiencing a little bit of burnout. So figuring out how to navigate burnout as an entrepreneur versus maybe previous instances where I've experienced burnout as an employee. And I think the biggest difference in that experience is that whereas I could coast and go to work and just maybe not do anything or get away with doing very minimal, as an entrepreneur, doing that same type of thing results in a decrease in income um, and certainly decrease in opportunity. So um, I think definitely within this last week, I've been really feeling it. And uh, I think last week actually was the first time since getting into a consistent rhythm around like working out, going to the gym, where I took a whole week off. And it wasn't it was an unintentional whole week off. But like I, I look down, I look back up and I'm like, man, I haven't been to the gym in a week. So I made my return this this morning, actually. And I really had to fight through that. And um you know, it's it's an interesting kind of dynamic sitting here dissecting what's happening behind the scenes mentally, emotionally, um, financially, as I navigate this burnout and, you know, how do you get back on the horse? But um, prior to experiencing burnout, I think, um, you know, just kind of talking, talking back about the, the publication, you know, this is a pet project that um, I don't want to get too into the weeds with it because it's still very new. Um, but a pet project that I think most people, when they do something like this, approach it from the lens of maybe a hobby. And I've already had three people write, uh, contribute, three people in addition to myself, contribute to this publication. So I can see where there's potential for it to really take off um, and get writers who are either contributing kind of, you know, leisurely and then eventually getting to a place where uh, they're going to be contributing full time is my goal. Um, and so then there opens up the conversation around what monetization looks like, uh, what marketing looks like, how do you position that? How do you stay in the space and, and really make a name for yourself next to the business insiders, the entrepreneurs, the griots and, and you know, whatever other competition there is. So um, that's exciting. What else? Uh, I was can I guide as a, you? Sorry? I said, can I guide you? Sure. So follow-up question based on what you've just stated is, from when we last talked to now, what have your big picture goals, how have they changed and what are they, right? Because anytime we do things, right, it's based on a long-term trajectory, so what are you, what kind of future are you hoping to make, you know, being in this, you know, Rakim, the entrepreneur state? Uh, I think that's a good question. I would uh, challenge your wording there. I don't, I don't want to hope to make a future, right? <laughs> I want to Ooh. have some more positive language there. My, um, I mean, my immediate goal is to continue on this path of, of independence, uh, financial independence. And, and I think that that's really a buzz phrase right now. You hear like a lot of people talk about financial independence, time, freedom, et cetera, et cetera. And um, when, when I hear that, or at least when I first heard it and when I've seen other people talk about it, the immediate first thought that comes to mind is, well, I don't have to do anything. Like I'm not working for money. It's all passive. And what I've learned uh, in this short time that I've been on my own is that you can have financial independence and still be actively working. In fact, it's probably the prerequisite to, well, not probably, it's definitely the prerequisite to what a passive lifestyle looks like. And um, the freedom or the independence is really in being able to pick and choose the assignments that you take on. Um, how many assignments you take on when you're working, when you're not working, do you have the luxury of taking like a week off if you're experiencing burnout? Um, what projects can you put on hold? And at this stage in my process, I don't have anybody depending on me for income, but ultimately I'd like to get to a place where, you know, 
people are depending on me for income. And when that happens, then it's like, okay, you have to have a system in place that works while you're not. So um, big picture to kind of like summarize it, my goal is to be able to step away from the day to day and still generate income. Uh, But in the meantime, building out systems that allow for me to have consistent income so that I'm not worried about where my money's coming from this month. Um, Am I going to be able to pay this bill, you know, next month, et cetera, et cetera, is, um, is my immediate focus. Um, But long-term again, I would want to be able to support multiple people. Hmm. You, oh. From a from a sorry, Coop, this is the Caleb podcast. Yeah, it um, is. I see you trying to make up for the last two weeks. Got it. From from a from a standpoint of you want the responsibility, you want the uh, I'm going to use the word like clout. You want like uh, t- tell me more about that. Why? Yeah, good question. I appreciate you asking. Um, definitely not a clout thing. Uh, I could definitely do without that. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of uh, just threw that in there. I, I figured no, but I kind of just threw that in there. No, I, and I appreciate that you did because I think a lot of people do get into entrepreneurship with you know big clout aspirations. Um, and I and I don't really care so much for the responsibility either. I know that it's definitely a skill set that I have. Um, coming out of a leadership background when I was in corporate. But uh, for me, when it becomes bigger than just like a freelance kind of, I'm taking assignments here and there, then the opportunity for revenue growth is significantly higher, right? And so, um, you know, if, and I haven't decided this to be the case yet, but if I wanted to create an exit after building something, right, and sell it to, you know, somebody who I believe is going to have, you know, maintain the same vision that I started it with. Um, I could do that. Or if I wanted to step away kind of part time and focus on something else, I could do that. So I think in having a larger team um, or having a team period that that kind of forces me to um the only word that I can think of is, is systematize, right? Systematize this and that uh, people can continue to make their living. I'm giving people jobs. I'm giving people opportunity. I'm providing leadership in that environment, but they're not like, I'm not stressing over whether or not they're going to be able to feed their families at the end of the day. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it it does. And I appreciate your perspective because it, it just makes me think, forces me to think. Um, but I, before I get in more trouble, I need to pass the rock. Um, no, to you, my you're guy. good. I don't. My I don't. I cool. mean, if you want to keep going, I mean, I, I get you. Nope. No, nope. so I, I just passed it to you. You're in the corner. You better shoot got, that three, man. You got. I'm just. I'm just curious, um, Rock him. You know, I'm sure you've had time to think about like the next move, so to speak. Um, I guess I want to know what made you land on this, uh, this book idea. Uh, so interestingly enough, um, I'm talking about a publication, but I am writing a book simultaneously. So I don't know if that was a slip or if I mentioned that the last time we spoke, but I realized, go ahead. No. Yeah. Or, or the publication. Yeah. I realized that this concept um, of I fired my boss catches people's attention, right? It's a very catchy kind of phrase and people are like rooting for me in that um, hearing, okay, like this is more than just him walking off the job. This is like a declaration. It's a movement. And uh, in the declaration of that movement, I realized that I've given a lot of people an option through my own actions, which is powerful. Um, I spent a lot of time talking to my dad about this. Um, it's it's powerful that people can see that they don't have to just follow this like prescribed path to work the nine to five or um, basically surrender their talents, their skill sets, what have you, to somebody else. Um, 
And so I give people I give people permission to be themselves through this. Um, but I, I keep the fire going and sharing my journey, right? So that it's not just like a fad that kind of just dies out because it's no longer in the news cycle. So certainly have leveraged the fact that the great resignation was a thing and I'm in rather pushing this message forward, but, and also pulling back the layers of what, I mean, I know we're going to get really deep, really fast, what um, mental health looks like in corporate settings, what uh, these microaggressions look like in corporate settings, what uh, the gaslighting and the other forms of psychological abuse look like in these corporate settings and why, the why behind that. Um, one of the things that I've been reconciling within myself in kind of hindsight of my own experience as a leader and being groomed as such, particularly a young leader, particularly a, a young black leader in corporate America, is that I myself inflicted trauma onto other people that look like me or didn't look like me because I drank the Kool-Aid around what leadership meant and how to be a leader. And so I've been talking a little bit lately about this idea of like performance management and the process around that, or, um, you know, the favoritism that exists in these spaces for people who have to demonstrate extrovert qualities, despite not being an extrovert. I myself consider myself to be an introvert. And so if you don't embrace these ideals around what, success and engagement looks like in these settings and you get kind of like, you know, left or isolated or managed out. Um, And so I have a little bit of guilt around that too, because, you know, this is stuff that I used to swear by, right? Like I really drank the Kool-Aid and so I'm like, yeah, you know, you got to show up and you got to work twice as hard to, you know, be noticed and be the first person to speak and always, you know, be on your game. And and I prided myself on, you know, these things. And when I was younger, certainly I had the, uh, the mental and emotional endurance to, to play those games. But I realized as you get older, your patience for that becomes a little bit less. And I'm exaggerating when I say a little bit, right? Like either you get broken in that space where you just completely give up fighting or you leave. And so um, in connecting with so many people over the course of this last year and sharing my experiences um, and hearing about their experiences, I realized that what it is that I experienced um, that ultimately led to me leaving was not unique, did not exist in a vacuum, right? And fortunately, unfortunately, I had something to walk away to, uh, something that I had built where many people do not. And so going back to answer your question, I think that it's important for me to share these stories, to have a broader reach, to give more people the option um, so that their wheels can start turning and figuring out, well, maybe I'm not going to do it exactly the way Rakim did it, right? Maybe I'm not going to leave and go be an entrepreneur. But I can recognize that I'm not happy. I can recognize that I feel sick mentally, physically, emotionally. I can recognize that I'm being abused and I'm not speaking up. And in recognizing those things, you can take your power back and say, you know what? Maybe I need to be in a different place. Or maybe I need to take a break. Or maybe I just stand up for myself in this space and um, and I think, like I said, that that's powerful. Did you have to do any I, leg work? Caleb, to... Caleb, 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 Caleb. Let me. Can I get my? Can I get like a second question? Yeah, let's let Coop get his shine on. Okay. I just. I mean, you've been. Let me let me get another assist, bro, or another dish. Um, <laughs> that's interesting, Rock Him. I want to ask you, um over this this year and you said you've been talking to different individuals um have you i guess 
has there been like some theme that you've been seeing or noticing? You know, like you said that you were in a position where you're able to walk away, right? Like you have something going on outside of work. You know, I feel like everyone has that that option or that choice to do something on the side or build something on the side. The talks that you're having with these people, like, is there a reason why, like, people aren't doing that thing on the side? Or I'm I'm just curious. I'm just curious if you've been hearing anything. Um, I think I think it might be, and I don't want to minimize somebody else's experience in, in what I'm about to say, but I think that it's definitely a confidence thing. Um, most, I'm not going to say most, I have gotten a lot of feedback from people who have left their jobs to become entrepreneurs. And I think that the reason why is because they can relate to my experience, my articulated experience. Right. So in that they're coming to me and they're like really proud of themselves and I'm proud of them too. Right. Usually my first response is congratulations. And then I don't know what uh, what it looks like in terms of how they've sustained themselves since. So I've been getting messages like this for over a year now. I do know, however, that it's not easy. It's not an easy task. And if you are um, not agile in your approach to what entrepreneurship looks like, it can be very much a challenge to maintain kind of like this idea of what you had envisioned in walking away from your job to what, you know, ultimately your business becomes or doesn't become. So I've seen a few instances where people have left and they ended up going back to work and they end up justifying that. Um, and not that they have to justify it by any means, but they end up justifying that and that, well, maybe I wasn't ready to become an entrepreneur, but I was just unhappy where I was at. Or I tried it and I ran out of money. And so I needed to go back to work because I needed to support my family. Um, but I think having an example uh, of somebody that they can kind of like send a DM to and, you know, have a conversation with is the confident boost that maybe they needed to try it, right? You, you see somebody that did it and you're like, okay, well, you know, if, if he did it, I can do it. And and that's my hope, right? And, and sharing all of the things that I share is that I inspire people to, to see what's possible. Um, it, I mean, it, if, if it's only that, then I feel like I've, I've, I've accomplished something. My question to you as someone who did that, is because let's not by be naive to what you know like the average american is going through is what kind of financial position did you need to get yourself to or, or how did you get yourself to that where yeah i could quit my job and you know go build x y or z i like this question um because it, it it pulls back a layer that I don't think gets talked about talked about enough. Um, I, in hindsight, um, and even you know, in foresight, right ahead of making the decision, did not think that I had enough money. Um, I now I know that I did not have enough money, <laughs> um, and that and that's just the real of it. I have been fortunate. And that opportunities have found me um, and that I've found opportunities to make money um, for as long as I have and being able to kind of maintain my lifestyle on like a very lean kind of existence. Uh, but my financial picture, if you will, has definitely taken a significant hit. And that much I anticipated um, before leaving. But I don't know that I understood the gravity of what that would look like until I was in it. So 
going back to your question um, and just kind of giving specifics, had I not um, been a homeowner, had I not had access to the credit lines that I did, um, I would not be in a position to, or I would be in a, I won't say that I would not be in a position. I would be in a really rough position to go out and buy a house or to go out and buy a reasonably priced car and have a reasonably priced car payment. And I just read a stat um, within the last couple of weeks that said that the average car payment today is like $700, which is insane to me. But That's so crazy. Yeah, it's insane to me. But, um, you know, I was having this conversation with uh, somebody close to me recently, and I said, I'm so glad that I already own. Right. I don't have to worry about competing in this market for a property. I don't have to worry about um, changes and what my monthly housing payment looks like because the landlord says, hey, we're going to jack up your your rent by however much percent. Like I'm not playing any of those games. My my, my mortgage payment is what it is and it's going to be what it's going to be. So I feel fortunate in that. Um, I was so, and I'm not patting myself on the back by any means, but I was so forward thinking and making some of these financial decisions before leaving my job that even though I feel like I've taken massive steps back financially, I'm still ahead of the game. And um, I'm still navigating in all transparency what that means and what that looks like. So, um, for people who are currently renting or um, who don't own their vehicle, uh, who don't have a plan, who don't have access to credit, who don't have a large savings, making a decision like this is not only scary, but you know it, it really kind of could change the trajectory of what life looks like for you financially and um, can put some goals on hold. Um, or just put you back multiple years in what progressing towards those goals look like. And um, I, I don't spend a lot of time talking about that because most of my content is experience-based. I talk about what it is that I'm going through, what it is that I've experienced, um, more so than just kind of like speculating and, and, and maybe talking about things in the abstract. But I do think that it's an important and necessary thing to talk about um, as we get into the weeds of, well, what does this transition look like um, away from security? And how does one sustain themselves in an environment like the one that we're in today economically? What advice have you given people who didn't have the fixed mortgage, you know, the fixed securities that you know you were you had um i haven't uh mostly because people are not coming to me for advice they're coming to me with their accomplishment um i think that that's important too um as a leader and and being able to differentiate uh when somebody is asking you for advice versus when somebody just like wants to vent well, I, I won't even say as a leader, I think just as a person, right? As you engage with other people in, in relationships, because the worst thing that could, that could happen for me um, in terms of like navigating my unconscious is that somebody comes to me and says, hey, Rakim, I quit my job and I'm starting a business. And I go, oh, great. Congratulations. So what's your plan financially? And then, you know, start getting into the weeds, right? Because it's already a scary decision, right? It's already something that, you know, they've had to overcome the voices inside of their own head and the voices of, you know, whoever else might look at them as crazy. So I want to give them as much encouragement and confidence as I can in, you know, in that moment, because most of the time, the people that are coming to me to share this experience is that's what they're looking for. Um, if I were giving advice, then that conversation would look different. And I think um, because I'm a year out, well, a year plus out now, I can say, okay, these are some of the hardships that I've come up against. And I have 
have the insulation of credit, cash reserves, owning my home, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I appreciate that question, but I think um, I think that it's a delicate kind of like line to walk on because I'm not in any way telling people to get up and leave their jobs and then leaving them out to dry, right? I'm telling people that I left my job. And in leaving right. my job, the experience has been one of reclaiming my own power. And that looks different for everybody. Is there anything, you know, I think people on this podcast, and I'll put you in that that group, Rakim, you know, we don't have a lot of regrets, right? I mean, I, or I should say we look at those things in our past and be like, you know, I had I to go through that thing to get to here. Um, but is there anything like when you look back from, you know, your time in corporate to now, is there like one or two things you wish would have been different or maybe you would have reacted differently? Have you had any of those, those moments or those thoughts? Uh, I have those thoughts daily. (laughs) And, um, In terms of my process, maybe not so much. In terms of how I could have prepared for this better, particularly financially, 100%. Um, I would have been a lot more aggressive about paying down debt before leaving. Um, I would have been a lot more aggressive about simultaneously just having cash reserves before leaving. I think once I got to a point where I decided that I was going to leave, that my decision was made. And that was not, you know, forecasted six months in advance. Do I think that I could have lasted another six months? It would have been a painful six months. So um, I believe everything happens for a reason. And uh, where I was at mentally and emotionally in terms of just everything, right? We were in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I had just learned that 200 plus employees were let go. The company that I was working for was getting ready to go through a merger. Um, There was just a lot of moving parts and uncertainty in what my tomorrow would look like. So hanging on for another six months could have looked like, oh, Rakim, by the way, uh, we're eliminating your position. And when I think about the psychological, traumatic, whatever, impact of that on me, I don't know that I would have taken that as, you know, the green light to pursue entrepreneurship as much as I would have spiraled and, and, you know, taken it personal and said, you know what, like, I'm in survival mode now. I need to go find another job. I think that that would have pushed me into just another, you know, staying in the job market, but looking at a different a different place to, to work. So I'm happy that I made the decision on my own terms, um, relatively on my own terms, right? The environment was just a shitty environment, but um, I just think that the timing for it all was perfect. And looking back, you know, so taking, you know, the good with the bad. Um, I mean, I just had massive success uh, since then, especially in the media, right? Viral multiple times in different publications on national television, you know, being able to tell my story and just getting the the support and the feedback of people across social media in real life, just being thrown into um the deep end, right? And having to figure out, am I going to sink or am I going to swim? But uh, in a perfect world, I definitely would have been a little bit more finessing when it came to my financial house. I like that you finished with the word finessing. Uh, My next question is... I wasn't done, but it's all good. Never mind. Uh, I I don't have another question. I don't have another one. What's up? (laughs) So, Rakim, I, I love, I, I, I love it. I want to ask you 
so when I when I hear that when it like you know you you say you didn't prepare as or you weren't like a hundred percent prepared you were just at a place where you were done with the job I mean is there there's something that's got to speak to sometimes you just have to take the jump, right? Sometimes you just have to take the jump, take the risk and just see versus like, I understand having to to prepare, having to like, you know, like get all your ducks in a row. But like, I, I don't know, like what, like, I guess I'm asking, like, do you think there's more of a benefit? Like when it comes to these type of decisions, like, taking that jump into corporate like i don't know is it better to just take the jump like if even if you're semi ready just take the jump or just postpone that decision longer right yeah i i don't know that i would look at it in terms of better or worse right so as you're asking me this question i'm like oh this is good i'm gonna come up with uh an analogy right think of like so i practice martial arts I mean, it's been a little while, but I've practiced martial arts and think about the same skill set, right? And being able to defend yourself in whatever martial art that looks like being applied to a competition setting versus a street fight. Like you're getting mugged and you have to defend yourself, right? In a competition setting, you know that you're going to be fighting very likely, you know who your opponent is, you're able to dress appropriately, you're able to stretch, warm up, you know, maybe watch some tapes, figure out what your strategy is going to be, et cetera, et cetera. And if somebody's just going to mug you, like you're walking down the street, maybe you have restrictive clothing on, you didn't stretch that morning, maybe you had like a really tough leg day and so your legs are still kind of like sore and and you know you just have to do what you have to do to survive now in both of these instances you win right but in in the hindsight of of both of those situations like is there one that you could have been more prepared for i mean that's a philosophical question right because preparedness in the mugging scenario just means that everything that you've done in your training up until that point is ultimately what prepared you Whereas preparedness in the competition setting is I know what's getting ready to happen and I just have to prepare psychologically, physically, whatever, for what that's going to look like. So because my situation was very much more so a mugging, right? I think that my um, perspective on this is going to be skewed in that direction versus talking to somebody who's getting ready to go in to compete, right? I'm going to I'm gonna definitely give them a different set of advice because I'm like, hey, you got six months to train for this, right? Start stacking your money now. You have six months to train for this, right? Figure out what you're going to do about insurance, what you're going to do about you know the debt that you have, what bills you have. Are you going to buy a house? Can you put that goal on hold? Are you going to be able to you know fill your car up? Are you going to have a car? So, um, you know, that whole saying around hindsight being 2020 is true. Like, you know, I could be the coach of the person who is going to get mugged without knowing that they're going to get mugged and just hope that I gave them enough that they could defend themselves in that situation or the coach of somebody who's going to go compete and say, hey, look, I know this road is going to be bumpy ahead of you, but I'm in your corner and I can walk you through this process. Um. I really like that analogy. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Coop, no, no. answer it? Yeah. No, it was good. It was good. Definitely a different, different perspective. So. Uh, go I got to tie this into, you said you practice martial arts. Um, a couple of questions we always touch on is self-development. Um, you know, what else are you doing? What's your regimen, you know, to be the best, you know, the best version of Rakim? Uh, good question. I think that also that's a really hard question to answer just kind of like straight up because the times are trying. And I don't think that that's like new by any means, but I think because, um, you know, I'm in my early 30s and, you know, I'm living on my own and, you know, we have just back to back to back instances and tragedies that 
the most important thing for me in this moment is to give myself grace to, um, you know, focus on what fulfills me every day versus like this regimented, okay, how do I be the best that I can be? Right. Um, but also maybe it doesn't have to necessarily be a versus maybe it's just in addition to. So, um, on, on the side of like, what do I do for me to improve every day? You know, I've been really focusing on my diet, really focusing on, um, exercising, making sure that, you know, my body is moving and working the way that it's supposed to be moving and working. Um, but then like I had shared with you guys earlier, you know, I'm experiencing a little bit of burnout. So where's that burnout coming from? Like, is it some stress that I haven't been able to identify? Is it just that the type of work that I'm doing is very physically demanding? Um, you know, and sharing this with a close uh, friend of mine, they said, uh, well, your brain is working 24 seven. So that makes sense. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So then that goes into the conversation we had earlier about what does a long-term goal look like? I don't want my brain to be working 24 seven, even if I am able to offset that by, you know, blowing off steam at the gym, I want to be able to like truly relax. So I find that, um, a lot of my time and focus these days is more on, I guess, things that would be considered leisurely, right? Uh, I've been doing a lot of gardening, which is not new. Um, I, I, I tend to grow fruits and vegetables, et cetera, um, every summer, but, um, I've expanded that skill set into like landscaping and now I'm buying flowers to grow. And now I have, uh, you know, plants all over the inside of my house. And so, um, that gives me peace. Um, I think, really in a nutshell right now, in order for me to be my best self, I have to operate from a place of peace. And so the focus for me is certainly um, maintaining that. And if if it's not maintained, then establishing it so that, you know, everything that I've trained for up until this point can be used in those scenarios. I know that's kind of like not the answer that <laughs> that most people would give, right? You're, you know, a lot of people. That's fine, though. Yeah. That's fine, though. You know, like perspective and being different is is always fine. And hearing someone different than you, you know, forces you to reflect on like, oh, I don't do it that way. What can I take from that? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's that's awesome. 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 Um, I'm trying to think. I on our last episode, I don't I don't believe we asked the. Uh, what advice you would give your eighteen-year-old self, Rakim, or did we? I don't. I don't think we. Di- I don't think we did. Uh, I don't know that we did, um, but I'm happy to. If I did answer the question before, I'm happy to answer. Please, eighteen-year-old uh, me. So let me just think about eighteen-year-old me. I definitely thought that I knew everything. <laughs> I um. Yeah, that that was an interesting time in life. I think I wouldn't I wouldn't um interfere with Rakim at 18 year old development. I think exactly what I went through and you know what I was doing is what I should have been doing and it really set me up nicely. Um again, ideally in a perfect world, you know, specifically financially, I would have started doing things for myself financially, like I would have started investing earlier because I didn't know about any of that stuff back then. And so it's kind of hard to to give that direction, right? Because what variable would have been introduced that would have allowed for me to, to start executing on those strategies? But I think where my head was, my values, um, the, the things that were important to me, the kind of person that I was, um, really, you know, were the beginning stages of figuring out who I'm, who I ultimately would become, you know, today. Uh, uh, if, if you allow me, I would change my answer or rather change your question to, um, you know, what, what I share with 18 year old Rakim that I've experienced at, you know, 32. And I would share that, you know, 
you experience pretty decent success. Keep doing what you're doing. And I think that leaves a little bit of, um, I leave, I think that that's abstract enough that it would not interfere with the path, but it would give me the reassurance and maybe a confidence boost necessary to like really go after my goals and my dreams um, earlier with more force and intensity for sure. That's awesome. I don't think, uh, now I know this for a fact, no one's rephrased that question. Um, or basically is, said, I will certify that coop. I will yeah. certify that. Or say they would just, for the most part, just keep, keep doing what, what they were doing. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, this was great, Caleb. You got any any questions? I know you've been no, no, man. I just, like I, I've been enjoying following along on Twitter and just kind of watching the growth. Twitter, um, TikTok, um, pushes me yeah. to be all I can be, too. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's very interesting, and I and I love uh, <laughs> Rakim. You don't uh, feed into the. Uh, I mean, I've been seeing some of the trolls, and I, I just love how you uh, you treat them. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it really it really depends on like when they catch me, but yeah, I um, I, I'm starting to embrace like it, when it first started happening, it was like, wait, like who are you? Like why are you talking to me this way? And I would kind of take it a little personally, um, and and you know, really believe it or not when I first started getting trolled, I got trolled by people who followed me, like people who are connected to me. Like, I'm like, you've seen the stuff that I've posted. Like, how could you even come to this conclusion? But um, as my audience grows, you know, and, and certainly with the way that these platforms and the algorithms work now, some of my content is being seen by people who aren't following me, who still decide that they want to take it upon themselves to try and challenge me. And I'm like, you think that because I am deemed an influencer that I won't give it back to you. <laughs> and that's a mistake. I think, um, and I was having this conversation with a friend uh, the other day, the brand Rakim Sabri and the person Rakim Sabri are not entirely synonymous, right? Like, I, you know, there are qualities that people can look at from a brand perspective that are certainly going to be reflections of who I am in, in life. But there's a lot about me that is or that I don't feel is appropriate to put on display. Um, and there's a lot about me that in instances where I feel like, oh, no, you're speaking to you're actually speaking to this guy you're not going to disrespect me or you're not going to get away with talking to me the way that you talk to me where, you know, I kind of have to let that out. Um, but also, you know, realizing too, like it, this is making somebody else feel good inside. Like they're getting the acknowledgement from, you know, this person, the funniest thing um, that I'll share recently is um, so Instagram has a feature with the reels where they pay you, based off of the number of views that you get. And so a lot of times recently when I post my reels that are performing well will attract these trolls and they'll go and they'll comment and say something slick and I'll comment back and then we'll get into this back and forth. And they feel like they've gotten the one up on me because they've gotten me to react. But what they don't realize is that the more I engage back and forth with them, the more views to get, which ultimately results in more money that Facebook is paying me because I'm getting more views on this reel. So I'm like, you think that you're winning when you're actually doing me a really big favor by getting more people to see this. So I kind of like chuckle to myself. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty intentional about everything I do. So sometimes it's just fun. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I, when you were talking, I was thinking of about, um, about 50 cent. And uh, I don't know if he was on the Breakfast Club or something, but they were talk like they were talking about how how he's able to keep 
these brand like how he's still able to keep his brands and he's like i don't know if he's one of the but like he's probably top 10 for sure probably most disrespectful dudes on on social media <laughs> like when it comes when it comes when it comes to being that guy right and he just talks about like well my brand i'm a rapper that like that's my brand so like they try to put me in in mogul status but i always remind them like hey I'm a rapper. So they can't really take anything away from me because everything was built on my time as being a rapper. And so I just, when you were talking about your brand and, and stuff, I was just, it was just, that's what I was, I was thinking about. So, so no, that, that's, that's awesome though. That's awesome. Yeah. But I appreciate both of you guys. I appreciate that you're, you're uh, keeping up with the journey and really all of the questions that you've asked. Um, I don't think there's one that I've been asked before. Um, so it kind of like forces me to think like, oh, okay, like how do I want to answer this question? And um, especially when we got into talking about the financial piece, I think, again, you know, echoing that for anybody who listens and, and you know, it's like, oh, you know, this guy has left his job and he's doing well. Like, I think there are people out there who think that I just like, I'm a millionaire and I left my job because I have like this massive pile of money that I'm sitting on and I can just like chill. And, um, you know, hey, let me hold 20. Let yeah. Me hold 20. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's been a challenge, but either way, you know, you look at it, like if I would have stayed, it would have been a challenge leaving. It's a challenge. Like if I decide to go back, it's a challenge. Like there's, there's always a challenge. And so it's like, how do you navigate that challenge? And um, I'm just really committed to this message around, you know, money is not everything. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, your mental health and your dignity and your principles and your values and, um, you know, just being, being the person, like, you know, being a person. And so um, I don't consider this to be a sacrifice by any means for, anybody else, right? I made my decision for Rakim. But in realizing what making a decision for Rakim represents to other people, I'm very proud of how I've been able to share that um, and inspire other people to assess, you know, are they in situations that they want to be in? Are they in situations that they need to be in? Or, um, you know, can they kind of shift away from both and just kind of like create some happy middle ground. Right. Um, you know, I don't have dependents except for my dog. Um, but I don't have dependents. Like that's a really big variable uh, in today's world around making these decisions where, you know, somebody looking at my success, um, and however you define that might feel like, oh, I could do that same thing too. And then instead of just having to figure out how they're going to eat, they have to figure out how they and their dependents are going to eat. And I don't want to take the responsibility. Um, you know, we talk, we touched on responsibility earlier. Like, I do not want the responsibility for somebody's livelihood from the perspective of you saw something that I said or um, that I wrote or you listen to me and you're like, hey, I'm making this decision because Rakim said so. Um, but I I am definitely 100% committed to sharing my journey and my experience and giving people an option. I think we should. Um, we should have started the episode with Rakim Sabri is not a certified CPA or fin- financial advisor. Please make sure you get your financial advice from a certified like bigger pockets does that like like when they're when they do their their uh finance friday they always start off with that like that's yeah it's just it's just a joke sorry yeah no i i mean it it, was it it was dry it it is important though that you know i mean we can go on for hours and hours but i'll just say this um again i focus on financial trauma And so in focusing on financial trauma, I am very conscious of the fact that I could, through my own content, inflict financial trauma. And because I'm aware of that, I don't give advice 
in these broad settings um, yeah. because you know, who knows who listens and says, Oh, I'm going to do what Rakim did. Like, no, <laughs> if we're having a one-on-one conversation and, you know, we're talking about education on financial product services and strategies, that's a different thing. But yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling anybody to do what I did by any means. Yeah. And so it's also good for people to have the, like the context too, you know, like, you know, I, I find it like people will hear a message and like they'll just dial into that one message, right? Like if someone says something they don't like, then everything this person says is is bad, right? Or if like, oh, this person is great. Like he does everything great. They look at everything that person doing and then try to apply it to them like their lives instead of taking those parts and pieces and like seeing how it fits to you in your situation or how it doesn't fit, right? Um, and so like, so that's one thing, you know, I would encourage, you know, to kind of, you know, piggyback on you, Rakim, is, um, you know, just make sure when you're listening to, you know, your mentors or the people you follow to that you're looking at it from context, like how, like what situation they were in, you know, like Rakim's perfect example, like he didn't have any dependence. He didn't, you know, at the time he didn't have any dependence. So yeah, he can make a decision like that. But if you're someone that has a spouse or, or a family, like you might need to think about that decision <laughs> a, a, a little bit harder, you know? Um, so yeah, so that's, that's my, that's my two cents there. But, um, no, this is great. This is a great episode where I came. Um, thanks again for giving us the time. Um, and I'm sure we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. For sure. Awesome. Thanks. Another great episode episode one two two yeah 122 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. got it Caleb since you've been MIA you can go first thoughts (laughs) Mr. MIA when did you give me that name um I asked a question um what are your thoughts 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 uh just you know i didn't even ask this but um alignment is a word that i would use and whether you work for yourself or for the man um, you need to have alignment and clarity on what you want to do or you, you set yourself up at risk for, um, you know, this burnout that Rakim was talking about and um, making sure to take care of yourself mentally, physically is always important. But I feel like when you're an entrepreneur, you take the time to realize that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or like ha- having, man. So you're going to take this podcast where it doesn't need to go. Um, yeah, as an entrepreneur, you have to understand that. And then you, you just have to have those things in place, right? Or, you know, just understand when you need like a day to just to yourself to get your mentals back. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely a thing, right? Uh so yeah, so so no, I think I think that was definitely a big, you know, big point. And like, and I and I, I love how how real he was. Like he he wasn't, you know, like so many people that get on social media. You see the flash, this, that, the other thing. Like if you go see him on his socials, like he's, I mean, he's legit about you know what he's doing, things he's going through, and like he comes on the podcast and just says like, yeah, like. You know, I'm having a hard time with with a, a couple of things, or or just just being transparent, right? And I don't think there's enough um, people out there doing that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, there's not again, there's nothing wrong with telling your story and owning your story. Um, so yeah, man, I thought I thought this was a great episode. It's always definitely a, a, another perspective um, to to look into, right? Um, and to help challenge 
our thought processes on on different things as well. So, hundred percent agree. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, please rate, subscribe, leave a review. Uh, by this time this podcast comes out, we will have revealed a new, um, a new item on the menu. This is strictly a Mahana Fresh Fargo item. This is not going to be in any other store, any other stores. Uh, so I'm pumped, I'm pumped, I'm pumped for, for what's coming. So anyways, anything else, Caleb? Nah, bro. Nothing. Okay. All right, man. Uh, See you next week, everybody. Peace.